Hello, I'm Hannah Jenna. And I'm Rachel Johnson, and welcome to Before and After, a body image podcast. We are here to discuss our ideas, perceptions, and beliefs about how we look and how we see others. We'll be looking at research and trends in the world of fitness and nutrition, as well as looking at our own biases related to body image and busting some persistent myths that abound in advertising and on social media. We hope to reach and captivate audiences of all ages and gender. So please help us out by subscribing and sharing. And if you like what you hear, we would very much appreciate you leaving us a review. Happy listening. Welcome everyone to another episode of Before and After. This is episode six. I double checked that number uh, with Hannah multiple times before I had to say it. Because <laughs> um, Rachel gets to do the intro this week. Yep, I, I'm, I'm, I'm taking over a little bit this week. Um, we are going to do a, a special episode that, that maybe is going to run alongside all of our themes, but also uh, is a bit of a free-for-all, at least for me. Um, Hannah has given me the option of uh, doing a little Q&A with her where quote unquote, nothing is off limits. Um, and I, All body image related. I, right. I feel like <laughs> I'm, I'm already regretting not taking more advantage maybe of that nothing is off limits. So uh, these might have to be things we revisit uh, in the future. <laughs> and I am excited because I've been interviewed on TV before, but I've never been like the interviewee on a podcast I've always been the one kind of like leading it and I have right. not, yeah. like I have not seen Rachel's notes. Well, I have just seen them and I couldn't <laughs> read them even if I wanted to know what she was going to ask me. So I have no clue what Rachel plans to ask me. Yep. It is true. I have terrible handwriting. Um, I have no clue how vulnerable <laughs> I'm going to get and nobody has ever really interviewed me specifically about like body image kind of stuff so I'm ready all right all right I, I'm glad you're ready yeah it's true I I have been on the other other side of this on at least two of the achieving awesome podcasts technically I was your interviewee um mm -hmm. but it was about a specific topic so we kind of knew what we were getting into this is this is open so we're, we'll we'll start uh we'll start fairly you know we'll ease into things no one has okay, to be okay. that deep or that vulnerable. So <laughs> this is also a chance for our uh, podcast listeners to get to know you better. Okay. Um, so we'll start easy. Um, what's your favorite color? Oh. Ooh. That's a good question. Um, <laughs> I should have enough. Okay. I feel like it's supposed to be I an have, easy question. <laughs> I like, I love like oranges, like yellowy oranges, but I also love kind of teal colors. Teals and oranges. But let's, um, let's go with oranges because they're kind of fun. Okay. Which, I mean, we're both wearing teal pants right now. Yeah. Shades of teal. Um, Rushing it. Okay. All right. I like that. Uh, what about your favorite food of all time? All time? Yeah. Goodness. Um, mm. I would have to say a really amazing melt-in-the-mouth steak. From like Smith and, Wal Smith and Walensky's, <laughs> blah, 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 or the, the original one in New York. I love that place. But there's a steakhouse here near Santa Barbara called Lucky's. That's pretty uh, awesome. Yes. I don't Lucky's eat like... Montecito. I don't eat a ton of red meat anymore, but if I'm going to go out and like spend a ridiculous amount of money on a meal, there is something particularly special about a perfect steak. 
So as someone who has not had a steak, perfect or otherwise, in over 20 years, what is the cost of a ridiculously amazing melt-in-your-mouth piece of, of red meat? Uh, usually, like, the, the entry point's about $100 for the steak. Wow. Before you've you added potatoes? Um, you get depends on potatoes where you go. or broccoli with it. Like maybe a <laughs> hundred dollars for yeah, like. Yeah, I'd say okay with a hundred dollars. Yeah, you're probably getting like a side. A side. Wow. Yeah, you like you have to go that's to these a, places. Okay, that's, like, that's you're that's not a... dining out at these places every week. Okay. Well, I'm sure some people are. I'm not. But like when you go, you literally just have to not look at the price on the menu and just just go with the intention of enjoying every single mouthful. Wow. That steak has probably been like massaged by a professional oh, masseuse. So. I'm thinking of all the things <laughs> to be done to make a steak worth that much. That's a... okay. All right, good. Favorite food. Uh, what about your favorite barbell lift? My favorite barbell. Oh, it's currently the clean. Yeah. Why? Because yeah. I just, after years of being really terrible at it, and the last few months of studying videos of others who are good at it and my own videos I finally figured out what was going wrong <laughs> and managed to correct it which is a hard thing to do after like five years of doing something in a particular way it's a lot of muscle memory it's very hard to, to like against. relearn that um so I've still got a long way to go I mean an Olympic lift is something you spend a lifetime perfecting but it's unlocked the I'm lifting in that lift much more to like the potential. Because I was always felt that I was stuck at a certain weight, but I had the potential to be able to handle a lot more weight, but I just did not have the technique to be able to allow me to get underneath it. Hmm. Whereas now, I still believe there's more in the tank, but I'm starting to see numbers that are, I would say, are much more appropriate to like what I can squat and things like that. Nice. So what, what was wrong? What was the piece first that was pull. wrong? The My first, first pull was a hot mess. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, that that doesn't sound too surprising to me, I, only because I know over the years we've had so many conversations about how much more comfortable you were with hang cleans yeah. for a while. Pulling from the floor was like not your jam. I mean, you think now I look, now I think about it, I'm like, that's so obvious that if you can hang right. clean something <laughs> the first and then pull. you fail from the floor, well, duh. The first pull is the bit, the link. <laughs> that is true. Why, but, why did it take that many years yeah, to figure it out? But I just never really, I guess I didn't put, I didn't realize how important that first pull is. And if you're not getting your knees out of the way, then you're kind of screwed. Yeah. That's the great thing about the hang. Your knees don't ever get in the way. So yeah, there you go. All right. Okay. Favorite lift is the clean. Um, what is your favorite body part? Uh, your own of body. Of me? Yeah. Your own body. <laughs> oh, goodness okay. actually then we could go with other people's bodies too i guess like if you have a general favorite um, body part that's not your own favorite body part i'm gonna say my favorite body part is i'm torn between my back or my right arm oh your poor left arm why it's does a little your right arm? I'm, wor I'm working on like, my last in body scan just it just keeps gonna, i'm getting generally stronger because like i'm eating lots to build muscle and that's working but like i'm very very right dominant Ah, so, okay. like, you know, even vacuuming is always done with my right hand or, like, picking things up. I will always, I have to really consciously think about using my left hand. So I just need to, like, do some curls with my left hand. Got so it. Like or the right or arm, vacuum. Start vacuuming with... Aggressively uh, vacuum. Yeah. So my right <laughs> arm is, like, 
stronger. It's like more, not that I like veins sticking out, but like if I'm leaning out, then you can see a lot of veins on my right side. The left side is still like, <laughs> but then my back is like kind of V-shaped, which I kind of like. For a while, I didn't like it, but I kind of like it. I definitely heard, uh, so I, when I was doing some bodybuilding programming last year, there was always this, uh, you know, the orange is the new black. There's always like the something is the new something. Mm -hmm. And that was like a big thing was like the back is the new abs, traps yeah. is the new abs, shoulders are the new abs. Like, so I feel like that, that, that's fitting, right? We're, we're not focusing on six packs as much I think anymore. I've got a better back than abs. Like I remember at the first the gym that we went to that we met at um and one of the ladies there we were doing a, a workout one. i think we were rowing or something yeah and we had to like share rowers or partner whatever it was but i got off the row and she was like oh my god i just loved watching your back and right? i was like rowing is great yeah weird like, and then i looked in the mirror and i was like oh okay yeah. or like pull-ups like getting a good back view of like a really beautiful oh, pull-up yeah. where you just yeah yeah oh you're yeah. right backs are good um, all right then. So the flip side of that least favorite body part, mm, my nose. Yeah. Like that thing is big. <laughs> <laughs> I never knew where I got it from. And like, and it wasn't until my dad had like laser eye surgery. No, like he had his lens replaces lens in his eyes replaced. Uh -huh. Whatever happened. He had some surgery where like I, my whole life, I only ever knew him wearing glasses. So when you have glasses on your face, it kind of like hides your nose oh, yeah. a little bit. So you're not really, you can't see as convincingly like bumps and lumps or big nose or small, whatever. So then he had eye surgery and suddenly didn't wear glasses. And I was like, firstly weird because. Right. You get to know. That's how I knew his face. The same. <laughs> um, it was awesome that he could obviously see without his glasses. But then I was like, oh, I got your nose. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so, so but I'm working the on the fact that there. seeing as I'm 40 years old and that my dad was like literally a hair away from being certifiably blind before surgery, at some point in probably the next decade, I too am probably going to need to wear glasses. Hmm. So then I can just find flamboyant glasses and maybe save myself from a nose job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, it's funny. I really feel like the nose is... Over my lifetime, thinking about like being younger and like friends of mine, noses are often one of the most hated body parts. Mm -hmm. Like people just don't seem to, I mean, I get it. I guess it's a big dominant feature of your face. So you feel like that's what's out there in the but world. I, but... I really flip between like for the longest time, I was like, if I ever had plastic surgery, what would, if I could have one surgery, yeah. what would it be? And I was always like, oh, I'd get a boob job. And then recently I'm like, no, I would get a nose job. But then it's like, if you, if you have a botched boob job. You can kind of hide that, right? <laughs> if someone yeah, messes up your nose, too, <laughs> that is like problematic. I mean, that's there's no hiding a botched nose job, right? And then the more nose jobs you have to try and correct it, the kind of the worse it gets. Yeah, you kind of can't add back to if too and much then, gets taken off. I also struggle with I this don't whole actually like, know how rhinoplasty works, but like that is so vain of me. Like people, I should have enough interesting things about my personality that it doesn't matter if my nose was half the size or double the size right so then I'm like stop even thinking about that and then I'm like oh but if I could just see one picture of my profile where I was like "Ooh, that looks good 
I'm pretty sure, right? Like, I think you can just upload photos to the internet now and like try on different noses the same way you can try on hairstyles and stuff like that. But um, yeah, I feel like there needs to be like a nose positivity movement out there. There we go. Like, we this can start is, this with. is like, this I'll is, this is a common thing, I think, because I also, I feel like I've had issues with my nose. Yours is fine in, though. Right. But well, I think yours is fine. And that's oh, kind of the point, right? Like hilarious. when we look in the mirror, we're just like, what are you talking about? Like, I'm starting a nose positivity yeah. movement. No, nose positivity. Nose is at yeah. every size. Yeah. Exactly. Um, okay. All right. So let's see. We'll, we'll wrap up the sort of favorite uh, thing, but uh, this is also a fun one for folks to know about you with your uh, clothing style. It's always a fun category. So what is your favorite brand of apparel or shoes, accessories, something, something in the realm of clothing? And then what's your favorite item of clothing that you own? Oh my goodness. Well, let's see. So workout gear is pretty much what I wear. <laughs> um, I have to say I love Lorna Jane. I have probably more Lorna Jane stuff than anything else. I like Born Primitive booty shorts. But then my favorite items that I actually own, I'm thinking of two. And neither one of those is actually workout gear. Okay. One is my Cotopaxi puffer jacket. <laughs> I knew puffy jacket was going to be on the list. And the other one is, they're so old, but I will not stop wearing them until I fall apart. My Ugg boots that have like the fluffy ball, balls yep. on them. And they're just, they're like hugs for your feet. I would literally wear them all year long. I mean, they, they kind of look terrible now, but I'm going to keep wearing them. I love it. Okay, so I not that anyone else would know this, that I, I won the little contest in my own head, which was guessing what you would answer for that. And I did. I thought I thought Ugg <laughs> I thought Ugg would actually be the favorite brand. I just because that we also we also have a friend who works for yeah. Deckers, the company, so we also get to see a lot of, you know, like amazing Ugg stuff come through <laughs> this house, but um yeah i figured the puffy jacket would also be there anything that's like the general theme is anything that makes me like i'm always cold yeah. like my thermostat is broken i don't know whether <laughs> i broke it or i was just born that way but like when we had a little covid scare a few weeks ago like a friend got covid so i had been potentially exposed so i started taking my temperature like every day just to you know check oh, right. while i was waiting yeah, yeah. for a test results yeah. and like pretty much every day I'm really cold. My hands are cold. I wear more clothes than anybody else. And the first time I took my temperature, I was like, wait, what? And it was like low 96s. And I was like, Oh, wow. On. So you actually run And so I took a, I took about five different temperatures and like took an average. And every single day, it was coming up the exact same thing. I was just cold huh. compared to a normal temperature. And then one day, I think Dave noticed I wasn't wearing a jacket in the house. And I was like, oh, yeah, I feel kind of nice. And I took my temperature up and I was like regular person temperature, like 98.2 or whatever it's meant to be. Wow. So for you, that was and like a fever maybe. Possibly. <laughs> and so I was like, oh goodness, is this like, this is what it feels like to be a normal human. But it was like one day where I had a random normal person temperature spike and then it goes back to cold. That is why so I love interesting. warm stuff. Yeah. I mean, my only, my experience with temperature too is like the, um, I have this this aura ring that tracks sleep, right? And it tells you your your overnight body temperature related to like uh, your baseline. So I feel That's like the women thing. with menstrual cycles, we run I, I run 
like hotter during half my cycle and then go back to below the baseline for the other half. It's like I run cold in the day and now like in the last year like I'm hot at night. Like I I get the old night sweats going. Oh yes. I feel like But I we'll, also don't we'll have to have an episode on a Changing Whatever. bodies. Changing bodies um, and women in their I 40s. also don't really <laughs> sweat much either. It's like the same as like that once mm-hmm. in a blue moon, my body temperature gets to like a normal person. Like right. once in a blue moon, like I'll be working out and actually start pouring sweat like a normal person would. Yeah, that is weird. But a lot of when the that time, happens, it's almost like something's wrong because you don't sweat much, even in like long yeah. and workouts like, that are like It's actually and... put me in trouble a couple of times. Like in the Caribbean, I remember going to CrossFit in middle of the day. And I did this gnarly workout and I mean, there was like some sweat on my, the surface of my skin, yeah. but it wasn't like pouring off of me like it was everybody else. And I basically was like bright red in the face and the rest of the day I, I was done. Like I had to lay down. I had a pounding headache. I felt sick. It was like my yeah, body just... Yeah, I guess that's just... true. We don't think of sweat as like a, it's a it's kind of process a, that, yeah, that is it's... necessary. It's doing work while you... So uh... I have a thermostat issue. <laughs> All right. So that's why puffy jacket and... Hugging bobble uh, Ugg boots. Definitely made that list. Um, all right, so we'll ke- we'll keep on kind of the, the fun weird track for a little bit. Um, I I did what Hannah does, and I did some like funny internet research, just googling like Best kind. what are funny questions to ask people. <laughs> so some of these are really weird, but I was like, yes, we do, we need to answer these. So someone gives you an elephant. Mm-hmm. You can't sell it or give it away. You've got to keep the elephant. What do you do with the elephant? We go on an adventure. <laughs> okay. We'd, we'd go on like some off-road trails like where people would be driving their Jeeps and I would be riding my elephant. <laughs> be like, what's up? <laughs> what, 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 and then what I would train my, I might train my elephant to like, Put it trunk into the other people's jeeps with the roofs off their car when there's trails and like pull out their snacks. <laughs> oh my god! You would train it to steal snacks. Yeah. What What would you name it? Uh, Wrangler. Oh my god! <laughs> All right. I hope Jeep is listening because this sounds like a great commercial I idea. Know, right? Actually, <laughs> remember An me. An elephant named Wrangler that steals snacks out of other people's jeeps. <laughs> I love it. All right. <laughs> um. If you could have any superpower, what would it be? This is like a classic job. I'd be invisible. Oh, invisible. Okay, I'm sure that's a popular one. I didn't research like what are the most common answers to these, but then I can get the like lowdown on what 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 people are saying behind the scenes. And would you also steal snacks? Oh, totally. From other people's cheese. I mean, yes, that goes without saying. I would be stealing snacks, eat your dinner while you were turned around. Just mm. listening on some interesting people's conversations. That's interesting. I mean, I mean, I'm curious about that. Like, do you, what what kinds of conversations would you like to be behind the scenes at? Oh, I don't know. All sorts from like my friends to see like what are they saying about me to like uh, I don't know politicians or mm. like anybody who's doing anything kind of crazy in the media. I just like I'm just curious. Did you ever see that movie, What Women Want, and then they remade another one about what men want? I saw What Women Want, yeah. That that movie really freaked me out, because that was like an exploration of like what, what it would actually be like if you could read other people's thoughts. 
Oh. And I, I'm still amazed that they managed to make the story work. Obviously, you have to be probably pretty careful because I imagine in real life, if we really could hear all the behind the scenes or be invisible, half the time we would wish we could unhear stuff. Yeah. Right? That, I mean, I don't know. I think, I think it would be... There would be a lot of stuff they probably would want to unhear or just yeah. wish. I, it's like meeting, you know, when you fantasize about meeting a famous person and then you meet them and you're like, I wish I never had because it's, yeah, they're, they're arrogant or they're just not a nice person. And prior to that, they were like a god. And now that's just like your, your years and years of all of these dreams and hopes have been dashed in a second. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Sometimes fantasy is just better than reality, right? Like that's, there. there's that phrase, um, you know, you, you, you pretty much don't need to see the kitchen of your favorite restaurant. Yeah, no. Just keep experiencing the, the like, good I want part. $50 off that steak. Right. It's disgusting. <laughs> Unless it's your steak place. Maybe then you do want to see what the what the Swedish masseuse is, is well, doing Well, actually, in the Smith & Malenskys in New York, I, we went there after I ran the marathon, and we had a really nice table, and they have, like, glass, um, so you can see into where oh. the steaks are stored. And there's just like these racks of the chunkiest steaks, just like, I don't know, air drying or something, whatever they do to make them really expensive. <laughs> whatever they do to make them really expensive. <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that doesn't sound that appealing to me, but like sitting I, by a bunch sure. of raw meat. Well, okay. But here's the thing. I will say there is a correlation to this because I'm a pescatarian and you plot me down at a sushi bar where I get to see all the sushi chefs with all of those, the, their raw materials, um, pun intended. Um, you're right. And I'd be pretty happy seeing that. So there you go. Okay. All right. Um, what about, what is your theme song right now? Um, oh, Brittany's song, Work Bitch. Oh my God. You better work. What? That's your theme song right now. Okay. The CrossFit you, Open's you... coming up and I like started to compile like a playlist and like I decided that that's an excellent song to kind of have just playing in your head when uh-huh. it gets tough and you're trying to like get some more reps and beat you. You gotta work. That is an excellent one and I've definitely heard that in the gym probably when you've been coaching and you've played it or something and it is pretty. Well you'll probably hear it in the open. If you come on Saturday to do your workout, I'm playing my playlist. That's gonna be the playlist it's, it's every week. There. All right. Um, well, I'm gonna I'm gonna take that that little. We're we're gonna jump ahead a bit because I just you know can't resist a good transition. Slide <laughs> um, right into the next one topic. of one of the uh, you know I've got some other funny ones we can come back to, but um, I wanted to ask what what are you looking forward to in the open this year? The CrossFit Open is mere days away from the the first announcement um i am looking forward to hopefully finishing the three weeks without needing to quit crossfit for three months to recover from injuries which is what happened the last solid goal solid goal (laughs) i actually remember like the last workout the last open when I came into the gym and I was, I'd been away for the weekend. So I was doing it last thing on a Monday and you were there to count for me. And it was like rowing and wall balls and then ring muscle ups. And most, you know, like 
I still can't do a freaking ring muscle up. Yes, yeah, so, so for most of us, that it was, was just like, rowing just and wall Just row and wall as fast <laughs> yeah. as you can and then flail around on the rings for the remainder of the yes. time. Yes. And I walked in the door, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm going to have to scale this one. And you gave me a torrent of shit for like scaling and like quitting right. when I should just get up there and just keep <laughs> trying. And like, I tried, you've got to do it. And well, because like, scaling at that point was just, it would have been a lighter wall ball too, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so I was like, no, no, you don't understand. She was like, you just got to try, man. You can't just let yourself down now. Like, I'm going to be mad at you. And I was like, but look at my arm. And I couldn't, if I held my arm out by, by my side, I couldn't lift it up. I remember. Laterally more than about four inches. Oh my God. When you showed me that, I remember just being like, Oh, <laughs> like, oh, all right. You scale whatever you need I think, to, I guess. I think like, I ended up like doing the rowing gritting my teeth through the pain and then I just squatted holding onto the wall yeah ball. yeah that's right and I got like I obviously didn't I, w- I don't think I was officially signed up for the open anyway I got my like participation appoint for our, our intramural yeah, for the intramural team but I didn't actually qualify for any points for the workout yeah yeah that's true okay that's a, that's a great thing to look forward to is not breaking not yourself again trying to like it's actually a good thing for me to like go into competition environment competitive environment and be like reasonable and rational about it and not like if something is hurting me in the sense of if this is bad hurt not just like you're sore you better work bitch right not Brittany (laughs) can push you through this then it's like (laughs) is it really worth it probably not so we'll see see if I'm one year older and one year wiser or one year older and still just as stupid (laughs) (laughs) All right, so then this is kind of related. Um, do you think of yourself as a competitive person? Yes. Yes, I figured that yes. was going to be a resounding yes. <laughs> There's not even a pause there. Like, so ha- and, and, and what does that look like in different areas of your life? So not just at the gym, but yeah, like, like how, why do you kind of see that in yourself and how, how does that manifest in different parts of your life? Um, you see, the funny thing is when I was a kid... I was super duper shy and was never really in team sports. Like my parents were always kind of of the, just try your hardest and that, you know, that's fine. That was not like, you gotta come first. <laughs> um, so like I never grew up in a household that ever pushed me to be super competitive. But I think at school, like academically, because I could get A grades, it was kind of expected. So it kind of became this like, who can do the best there and then I liked the feeling of doing well and getting praise and feeling successful and I'm also really stubborn and I'm sure that goes hand in hand with a lot of people who are you know if you're a competitive person you're also probably kind of stubborn and I'm pretty damn good at being very selfish so when you put that all together it's like if you know, at work, if there's like something, an amount of work that has to get done, something just triggers and I'm like, okay, I've got to be the first one to, to finish this. <laughs> and if I'm like doing crossfit stuff, then I'm like, it's not so much really for like in terms of working out. I'm not really so bothered about how I fare against another competitor, but it's against like my own expectations of myself. Because, like, I have very high expectations of myself. Like, sometimes it's been unrealistic. And it's, like, I think I'm getting better. 
but my whole life it's been a work in progress of just like good lord could you just relax a little <laughs> like you don't have to be the quickest the smartest the fastest the fastest <laughs> the thinnest the strongest the like everything is before anybody else ever it's like relax enjoy life a little bit let a few things go <laughs> yeah yeah well and it's true i mean it's also it's like depending on what the context is it's also you know being the best in in a you know the big fish in a small pond then you go to a different size pond things like that but um I want to get back to a word that you just used and that like, because I think this is an interesting conversation to pursue, but I also want to tell our listeners that competition wise, this year's open is going to be interesting because you and I, we just confirmed that actually we're not going to be in the same category this year. So my birthday is smack dab in the middle of the open. And this is just for like our own intramural. Yeah. And and our gym, our gym's intramural um, has has an age break for the age 42. So we don't have all the five-year age categories that CrossFit HQ does. Um, And because it's an intramural, then we're also technically not bound to like the way CrossFit HQ does it, which is it's the age you are at the the date of the games on a given year. So then... um, if it were that case, I think we'd, we, we would have both been... We were in the same category. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're just you're a few months after me. But um, So yeah, so this will be interesting because now we're like, we're usually each other's main competition. <laughs> and now technically we're, we're in different categories. So we're still going to obviously compete Our with each other. Our goal is more like <laughs> make sure that we try and lift heavier, move quicker than anybody in the under 35 right right this is also something about yes hannah and i both being competitive with with uh with with the ladies that are younger than us too (laughs) um but before before we go away from the competition thing i want to go back to uh something you dropped in really subtly there earlier (laughs) which is your competitive kind of came out of childhood you're stubborn but you're also selfish yeah that's a i mean that's an interesting thing to just admit you kind of dropped it in there quickly and moved on (laughs) so why why do you think you're selfish and how does that play out in stuff? Because sometimes that's, that's a word that sometimes people would think of as very negative that you wouldn't want to admit. But I think successful people in, in all walks of life are often selfish and stubborn. So I think the selfish part was born out of survival. And we will no doubt get to talking about that shortly. Um... But after like certain experiences, like near-death experiences, waking up and realizing that I kind of felt like it was all on me to make a path for myself in life and to stop letting other people influence how I lived my life or how, you know, let have stop being affected by words other people might use around me about me um and so i put my head down and went to work to become a professional sailor and i mean anybody like you said anybody who wants to achieve success in anything has an element of being selfish if you go into professional sports for a living then you better believe that your life is 100% about succeeding at what you're doing. And for me, it was it was necessary to be like super focused because I wanted to go places in that sport. And I was like a female in a very male-dominated world. So I had to like make sure I was even 
better than I needed to be. Um, but you also like everything else, you just can't have any distractions. So anybody else around you has to be a part of your support system, mm -hmm. but they can't get in your way. And so like, I guess the more I got into that career, the more practice I got <laughs> being a selfish person. <laughs> being selfish. Um, but yeah, it's something now that I'm trying to like reverse out of. I, I don't think like selfish can be a very negative thing. Absolutely. But I also think it can be a positive thing, like in terms of yeah. being able to go, uh, so many people give and give and give and give and give, and yeah. they forget about themselves. And then you put yourself in a place where you're in an absolute shit show and you are drained and you don't have much to give, but you're still trying. So what you're giving is not quality giving. Yeah, absolutely. So having an element of being selfish, that's where I'm trying to find now, like the balance of like, I still need to work on the stuff that sparks joy for me, that advances the things that I'm interested in advancing in, but that I actually need to kind of look at my, like what's in my peripherals too, and not just be like blinkers on. Here we go. It's like, actually, let's, let's, you know, I've, I've like filled my jug, got some more to give. Let's see who else can, can benefit from yeah. something I might have to offer. Yeah. I feel like selfishness has, I mean, it, it has, it's been almost reclaimed as a much more positive thing in this. There's, there's a huge trend of like what it actually just means to set healthy boundaries, mm -hmm. you know, in your life, your work-life balance with people in your life. And I think, yeah, there's that idea of, Sometimes people, and I think women especially, are not selfish enough when it comes to that kind of thing. So, um, do you do you miss sailing? No, no. That that episode of your life? It's no. I got. Should I just say no? One yeah, more I was like, wow, that's, no. that's a clear no. I, I was. It was I, interesting because I, <laughs> I was listening to a podcast with Matt Fraser in it, and he was talking about his retirement from CrossFit, and somebody mm -hmm. was like, if if a competition came along and asked you, you know. If, if the winnings were $1 million, would you, would you do it? And he was like, nope. And like a lot of people find it really weird that I would be so like, no, I'm good. Yeah. I mean, sometimes I'll look out the ocean and be like, yeah, you know, sunny days, dolphins, cruising along at high speed. Yeah, I love it. But I left at the time where I was burned out and had done, had achieved what I needed to achieve. Yeah. And any more was just kind of hanging on. Yeah. I will say I, I saw a, a, an Instagram post of Matt Fraser eating pizza in a hot tub. Mm -hmm. And I was like, yeah, that dude's living his best life right now. I think he looks pretty happy in retirement. And I was um, like, when I left England yeah. um, and like split up with my ex, like one of the things I remember him saying to me in all like a breakup speech was, <laughs> you realize you haven't unpacked your bag properly for two years. Yeah. And I was like, I hadn't. I mean, I, I was always like aware that my bag was always there in so, sort of some state of right unpack, yeah. repack. Yeah. But yeah, I had never really thought of that as a thing, but that was my life, like constantly going somewhere. And so people find it really weird that I'm like, yeah, I kind of like going to plan weekends and go camping and have kind of some sort of a routine that I can rely on and yeah and yeah I don't like I, I don't want to become like a oh have a boring life that's all just 
on Mondays I do this and on Tuesdays I do this and absolutely not. There's always got to be some adventure and some travel and some fun, but having a little bit more control over like the fun times rather than like, yeah, like for, for 10 years, 10, 15 years, if anybody invited me to a party, a wedding or anything, I said no. Yeah, that's true. Are there, are there any, um, I mean, not that sailing is your only past life, right? I feel like we all have lots of stages of our life. Are, are there any other versions of you that you do miss? Mm, no. No. <laughs> well, I mean, that, no, I'm that's like, a great answer, right? Like, I'm you're, like you, do you feel like you're, you're, your best you right now? Uh, this, that, that's an interesting question because I'm always like, I'm very bad at just being in the here and now and being like, yeah, pretty damn good. I'm always like, but there's more, there's more. Right. Well, <laughs> that's true. Research for next. What the competitive I, but stubborn person in you might not Probably more than same. ever. I'm like pretty okay. There's some days where I'm like, I should, I should be doing this. I should have this. I should have more of this. I should have mastered this. And I'm like, bro, you might be 40, which sounds old, but hopefully, <laughs> which hopefully there's still a few more years left of being able to get shit done. So I'm pretty okay with the here and now. All right. That's great. All right. I like that. I mean, right. I, I think a lot of people would hear that and be like, I, I, I want to be in that place being okay with the here and now that, that sounds pretty good. Um, okay. So then another question kind of similarly uh, along those lines, what, what are some of the goals you have right now? So that could be at the gym, uh, in, in the kitchen <laughs> with food, uh, or just in life. Like what, what are, what are the goals? My goals are, um, let's see, financially to get myself like in a nice kind of routine of saving money. And I've always been one to not be too concerned about that because I believe that, you know, if you spend your entire life saving every single penny you possibly can and never living, then you, if you get run over by a bus one day, you may just be like, well, shit. My bank account looks great, but I haven't got a single story to tell. And that's an interesting conversation I've had a lot with some people recently, like, are you scared of dying? And I'm like, no, because if tomorrow was my last day, I got millions of stories to tell. I did stuff with my life so far. Sure, I want to do more stuff, but I wouldn't feel like I've missed out or wasted time. However, I do need to be a little bit responsible financially. <laughs> so I want to get that sorted. I want to... um. At the moment, I'm sort of split between like the stuff that I'm super passionate about, like fitness, nutrition, and like corporate world, which pays the bills. Right. So I have set myself the goal of kind of three years to be doing, making what I love and I'm truly passionate about the thing that pays my bills. Yeah. Nice. And that's a hard thing to do, but that's like... It's a goal. Like when I first left sailing, I figured that I'd be able to make that happen overnight while immigrating to a new country and <laughs> <laughs> not being able to work for a while. So that was like a bit of a boot up the butt to realize that actually some things, sometimes things just take a little time and a little effort and work to, to make that happen. And that's okay. We've got plenty of time, hopefully. So that and like gym stuff. 
I'm just really enjoying, like, for a while, I got really pissed about everything that I couldn't do, that I felt that I should mm-hmm. be able to do. Yeah. And now I'm like, okay, let's, let's not focus on a goal. Let's focus on, like, the process of getting to the goal. Um, and I figured that out before I read Atomic Habits, but then that's a big feature in Atomic huge, Habits. Huge, huge, yes. That, yes. like, actually, if you can enjoy the process and develop the system you know, a good system to be able to achieve it, then it's no longer so much about like, God damn it, another day went by and I didn't get a ring muscle up. It's like, no, but I did this, this, and this, which is new. Like just the other day, there was like some strict chest of all programmed and I was like, I can't do that. That's absurd. And I'm like, wait a minute. Did you ever try? (laughs) What do you know? I can totally do it. (laughs) That's awesome. And I mean, that's, I, even if you're you're not trying for muscle ups or something, a, a strict chest bar is inadvertently on the way to things like a strict bar muscle up. Um, so yeah, just you know, that's. I guess like the the coolest thing right now is that rather than be feel like I should have achieved something by now, or I should be doing this, or I should whatever. I'm just like I'm excited about what is to come. And I know that there's a lot of potential, but that it's it's up to me. And like if I sit on my ass just wishing and praying and hoping that what I dream for is gonna just magically appear, or the transition from like corporate America to doing what I really truly wanna do is just gonna suddenly be like Wednesday next week, it's gonna be today's the day, and everything's gonna line up and it's gonna be perfect. And it's like that's not gonna happen. It's like it's gonna require a lot of work. And it's never going to, it's a bit like when people talk about having kids, like there's, there's rarely like ever the perfect time right. to do it. Right. But at some point, if you really believe in something, you got to get comfortable with being uncomfortable and take a leap. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that that's right. I, 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 similarly, you know, I've been blown away when I read Atomic Habits and this whole idea of changing your mindset to focus on a system rather than... Um, I mean, in some ways, even rather than a goal, right? A goal is like this one-time thing that you're working toward. A system puts, you know, puts things in place that help you reach any number of goals. Well, also, it's um, just like, it's, and I use this like in nutrition a lot too, but it's like, if you just have one goal, great, but what happens when you get there? Yeah. Yeah. Right. You have to like, I mean, uh, the, the gym just set these, uh, levels recently, right? Where, so people can kind of test and see where they're at in a whole bunch of different modalities. And, um, I th- I don't think I'm alone in the sense that I set a goal and then did some testing and realized I needed to change that goal almost immediately. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if you, if you're like, wait a minute, I reached that goal way faster or the opposite, like, wait, that goal wasn't well thought out and isn't reasonable. You change them all so quickly. So, um, yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, okay. Then picking up on that, uh, yeah. Like how, how you kind of use this stuff, right? Like we're, we're, we've got a lot of your, your personal things now, but how, how you then translate that into the work that you do in nutrition coaching and coaching. I'm curious about a few things. So I thought starting out, cause we kind of touched on this in some other episodes a little bit. Um, but how did you actually decide to become a coach? Like, what was the why behind that in the first place? A nutrition coach? Yeah. Uh, well, well, I mean, I guess a CrossFit coach as well. I, I assume they're connected, but but primarily, okay. so let's like, say nutrition coaching. Your one-on-one stuff you do with folks. 
in terms of like becoming a coach in general, when I first started out sailing, I began as a sailing instructor. And then when I raced around the world, my crew were all amateurs and it was on me to like train them how to sail, train them how to like be a good team, how to have the mindset that allows you to get out of your bunk cold and wet after another four hours of not sleeping <laughs> to go on deck and drive down a 60 foot wave. You know, there's like, there's a lot of work that goes into that. It's not just like, this is how you pull a rope. And then later on in my sailing, I just became much more just, I just worked with professionals that wasn't like helping to bring people on or anything. And I realized that it was actually something I really enjoyed. Like teasing out human performance or discovering potential is mm. what I love to do. I love that teasing out human performance. That's a great line. <laughs> teasing out is such a descriptive kind of active. Yeah, sometimes it is. That. Like it takes a little bit of like, it, like you want to do it with your hands. It's like, come on. I yeah. know it's in there. I know it's in there. We just got to take it out little piece by little piece. Yeah. Because um, I kind of did that to myself to get myself to a point like where I got to in pro sailing and just in life in general. So it's 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 what gets me going is the thought that I could help change the course of somebody else's life. So I originally started with life coaching because I had been to see like the aftermath of like an eating disorder and other things caught up with me when I moved to the US. And I didn't like the idea or the sound of seeing a psychiatrist or a psychologist or anything like that. Cause I was like, that makes me feel like I'm a crazy person. And mm. that's not true at all, but that's how I thought of it. So I was like, okay, maybe a life coach and like, Life, life coaching is all about helping somebody to find their own answers. Like you're not sitting there going, tell me about your childhood. It's like, right. Right. Let, you know, you, you basically help somebody to actually figure it out for themselves. And you just, the whole role of a life coach is to ask the right questions. Right. So, so you're I, saying that you started I saw looking a into life being, coach. you actually, okay. So you got and yourself a coach. She like helped me answer so many of my own questions. Hmm. And turn a very difficult corner in my life, literally from a point where I was like, I don't know if I want to wake up tomorrow to like, actually, I've got stuff to do, which is crazy cool. And I didn't feel like it was kind of a white coat psychologist environment. So I was like, this is really intriguing. So I started to look into studying it and found a course. So I, I did a, it's like six months, pretty intensive kind of life coaching course. So I was like, okay, cool. That's a good basis. And I had started to get regular into CrossFit. So then I was like, well, this is fun too. And on somebody's fitness journey, there can also be a lot of need for, you know, fitness is what they show up with, like in your environment, but there's a lot more to that story. Oh yeah. So I felt like that was a good thing to add. And then I've had a long time fascination with food and eating and trying to get it right, having got it horribly wrong. And that was kind of like the final piece of the puzzle that actually if I have all of those three things together, food being such a huge role in getting somebody to a new point in their life and healthy and happy, that that would be kind of a pretty good combination to have fitness, nutrition and life coaching under my belt. And now it's just like, I only feel like now the imposter syndrome is fading a little it used to be so real. And I'm like, I am not qualified. And I was like, yeah, I am. You better believe I am. Because <laughs> I've done it all the wrong way. And then I've studied and learned. And now I've started to get it right. I don't think it'll ever be like totally right. But, and like nutrition is such a big subject. 
there isn't anybody who's alive right now who knows everything there is to know about human and it's also nutrition and changing and, yeah. so rapidly. And right? what we know we, in 50 years. Yeah, and yeah. like the kind of chemicals and stuff we eat now, somebody may discover in another 10 years that actually, oh, whoops, that's not good for you. I'm sure they will. We've already gone through that <laughs> a number of uh, generations of nutritional knowledge that we thought we had. And, and all of those crazy diets. diets we've been talking about will be like, oh maybe, my gosh. maybe one of them was actually right. Maybe we'll really be eating <laughs> food with blue glasses on. Oh my gosh, the blue glasses diet. Well, maybe yes. Dr. Atkins was right after all. I mean, like, who really knows? But, like, the the possibility to help change somebody's life for the better. And, like, I wish more than anything that at 18 years old, I had had somebody, and this is going to sound really arrogant, and I don't mean it to, but I <laughs> wish I had said somebody like me, or if I had existed already in a, like, future life, be able to come back and put me on a better course yeah. to being like healthier and happier and stronger and fitter and like just add in like a little dash of life coaching stuff then my goodness it could t- it could have taken a lot of years of struggle off yeah i mean so. i don't think i mean on some level i don't think that sounds arrogant at all right i mean i think anyone who you know who part of their their purpose or their goals in their work and their life is to inspire other people gets to a point where they ask themselves that question, you know, how, how can I be the person I wish I had at a certain part of my life, right? Like, if you're going to mentor people, if you're going to coach people, that seems like a really natural question. And the idea is, yeah, get to the point of being that person that you wish you had. Um, so I think kind of related to that, um, in the first episode, our listeners got to learn um, a fair bit about, you know, some of your, your struggles with food in the past um Mm -hmm. and obviously I feel like having an eating disorder must uh come up a fair bit right as you do this work with other people and I'm just curious um how how does that how does that come back up for you um because I imagine it doesn't ever get completely forgotten about right that you had this period in your life where um you had a very unhealthy relationship to food so how how does that play out in your coaching and it's kind of interesting because Pretty much from, so the age of, I was 17 when I collapsed unconscious and then started on my like 180 life flip to try and do whatever I thought I could do um, with my life. I, from age 18, learned to just bury this, right? So I like mm. locked it in a vault because if anybody was to find out about it, then it would be like a black mark against my name. Well, oh, there goes crazy Hannah who wants to be stuck at sea with a lunatic or is she really going to be able to keep her shit together? Um, so I buried that deep and it was kind of like, there was a general sense of, I don't know if like shame or embarrassment um, for me personally, for my family, for, it was just kind of one of those things was like, just put on some weight and then let's just, shut that door and carry on there we go everybody's happy nobody needs to know so honestly it was only maybe two years ago where I ever really started to mention about it if you know I got into a conversation about like nutrition or experiences with that or whatever right people would ask me about oh do you know anything about eating disorders or whatever um you're right it will never go away it is never something that goes away because you know, just like an alcoholic or a drug addict, 
you can, you know, they will spend, once you've recovered from alcoholism or drugs or whatever, you have to spend the rest of your life being very, very careful to yeah. avoid exposure. Or if you know that you're going to go out to an environment where there will be alcohol to kind of go with a plan. So, you know, you don't get like sucked into, I'll just have one drink and that becomes 10 and then you're right. back to the beginning. Right. Unfortunately, with food... You can't stop eating food. Well, you can, I did. But <laughs> right. it doesn't go very well. It does not but go well. as a long-term recovery strategy, you can't go, I'm never going to eat again. And as long as I stay away from food, I won't have a problem, with, have food. A problem with food. <laughs> so it's kind of really cruel. Either like the starvation disorders or like binge eating disorders that lead to like obesity issues. Like you have to eat to survive and it's problematic. But I mean, for what I found is that because I literally like, collapsed unconscious, came to and went, oh shit, I've caused a scene. That's literally what I thought. I was like embarrassed. Wow. When I woke up, I was embarrassed. I was like, I've caused a scene. This is really bad. Uh, bury this thing. You lock it in your vault inside. Is, no, that, is that a is that a British thing? I feel like, right? Like I think culturally, we, yes. we have to like ask the cultural question too of like, there is a, there, there, there are cultural norms to talking about things Therapy certainly is something we've, I mean, joked about, right? Like, oh, Brits don't do that. <laughs> yeah, well, that was my thing. It's like, I never got any kind of, like, I never talked to anybody about it until I moved to America. And I moved to America when I was 34 yeah. years old. I collapsed unconscious with an eating disorder when I was 17. Wow. So that's a lot of years of where that was, like, locked tight. But where you can, like, lock an experience in your little internal vault, but, like, feelings and emotions and stuff kind of they can't be locked they'll like seep out of your vault and then you spend your life trying to like cover that up or cry about it in a bathroom by yourself was it your life coach that you talked about it with for the first time yeah yeah okay so you you got a coach and I mean I I really I I feel like I have lots of follow-up questions about that correlation of like a life coach as like it's pretty close to therapy well I (laughs) but it's like yeah how that came about exploring it more yourself but is that I moved out to the U.S. in like November 2014, and I had also just split up with my ex of 11 years. So I, I got out there and I was kind of like, I was excited because part of my, what I thought was like getting over things was the sense to like run, just keep running, keep moving. Mm. Sailing was great for that. Just keep moving. Yeah. Never have to settle or get like stagnate or have to think about stuff. Just keep on moving. So I I had like split up with my ex literally the very next day I was on a plane to Europe. So busy summer sailing season, put the boat in a ship to ship to the U S I got on a plane to the U S landed in the U S in November thinking like, this is fine. Cause I know tons of people in Newport, Rhode Island and I do in the sailing community, but in the winter, they're not there. They're all in the Caribbean. Ah, yes. So I land in this place where I know actually nobody and it's cold and there's not like, a lot of social scene going on and I'm renting a room from a crazy cat lady that was super (laughs) dusty and weird and smelled horrible and I just like one day everything suddenly caught up with me it was literally like I felt like my lungs were being crushed and I couldn't breathe and just everything that I'd ever buried and the reality of the fact that I was 34 years old and sitting on the floor bawling my eyes out (laughs) And then I started to realize that I had probably actually been dealing with depression yeah. for many years, which again had been like suppressed and squashed. 
and I had thrown myself intensely into my sailing and staying busy to avoid ever having to address it. And I was sat on the floor of a bedroom by myself in the winter. And I literally, I had, I had a bottle of whiskey for some reason. I don't even know where he got it from. Like somebody must have given it to me. <laughs> yeah. You're not, you're I had not a, a bottle of whiskey and I had like <laughs> two pots of pain pills. And I literally sat there for like 10 minutes just going, I don't have to wake up tomorrow. Like, I don't have to deal with this shit anymore. I don't like who I am. I hate all of this stuff. I feel like everything I've ever done is just like this superficial thing so that other people can look in and see my life in a certain way. And if I keep like busting out cool stuff and getting results and performing and then nobody needs to look beyond that. So it's like a shield. Yeah. And then some little just like... Whatever is the spark that keeps me believing that, that there's more, like, teasing out human potential, right? I was like, hang on a minute. Like, you've freaking sailed around the world. You've sailed through hurricanes. You've rescued somebody in an almost impossible situation. And this is how you leave the world. On a dusty-ass floor and a house full of cats that'll probably eat me before anybody <laughs> oh, even realizes. <laughs> and then I just cried even more because that seemed so pitiful. And I was like okay, Hannah, this is, this is stupid. I was like, I can't handle this by myself. And I don't want to feel like this every day because this is, I'm better than this. Um, so I was like, okay, I need some help, but I don't know where to start. But still like that, I guess the British side was like psych- psychology, psychiatrists. No, yeah. I, I just could not bring myself to do I that. I mean, even in this country, there's there's a fair bit of stigma still about going to seek psychiatric So I, like, I found, like, mental health help or whatever. I Googled it. And there was, like, tons of options that came up. And then the first person that wasn't, like, a psychologist was a life coach. And I was like, hmm. Okay. Okay. All right. A lucky, and I a only, lucky Google search. <laughs> I only booked an appointment with her because I could do it online. I was like, if I'd had to call her and actually speak to her to make the appointment, never would have happened. Oh, interesting. And then I got there the first day and I, I sat outside in my car and I was like, I was mad at myself. I was like, you are pathetic. Like, you can't handle your own shit. You have to go talk to somebody. You are so pathetic. And I was like, just get out the car and go. We go one time. And we never have to do it again. And I was literally sitting outside. Oh I got gosh, into the house. The, the self-talk I was sitting is so outside important. And yeah. I was just like, I could leave. And like the first, the first visit, I was just so defensive. Poor woman. <laughs> but bless her heart. Like as a professional, I'm sure she, that was not the first time no. she, you know, but by like resistant. the third <laughs> session, I mean, we were both in freaking tears. <laughs> She bought herself an extra t- tissue box and like just <laughs> we had one each. And like I just all of that shit that was locked up for so long was just like flowing. I didn't have enough tear ducts to produce enough tears for me, so she she did my part too. Yeah. And then like helped me to just understand so much about myself that that was like the start of where I was like, okay, I still have a hell of a lot of work to do on me. But I have a place to start from. Yeah. And I also have to learn that if I say it out loud and say what happened to me or what I did to myself, whatever you want to call it, it's no, no one's going to look at me and be like, Oh, you're fired or you, you know, you're useless. You're like, I've lost all respect for you. Like quite the opposite. And if anybody has any kind of like 
reaction if anybody never nobody ever has but if anybody was just like oh my goodness like I don't want anything to do with you or I don't, I don't want you to be my coach or whatever I'm like okay fine yeah walk away from it right I mean I feel like in that situation yes if vulnerability is not what you want to coach there's probably plenty of coaches out there who pretend they have all their shit together all the time <laughs> and we don't and that, like, that's and my that's problem like... Like, so I still sailed for three more years after like first yeah. starting this process so it was still like I never wanted it to come out to people around me even though I was like established enough but I had just moved to a new country and was starting right. to sail with new teams and I was like I don't want that to be what they see before they give me a chance yeah because it was still like oh I just joined I'm still in an old boys club and now I just joined the club where a lot most of the old boys don't know who I am so yeah that's a good point I want to be accepted point. on like the merits of me being able to do this particular job but as I kind of did more started more more and more coaching and I was like oh gosh will this be like a sign of weakness if I'm a coach who doesn't always have my shit together and I actually adore following like um, she just changed her Instagram handle. She was Amy Two Cents. Now it's her name. But she's like Maddie Rogers, Olympic lifting coach. Oh, okay. And yeah. she's really super vulnerable. And like yeah. when I first moved out to the U.S. and learned that it's more, like especially now I live in California, that people are much more like open about things. Right, yeah. And what they <laughs> We've share. We've had a conversation on a lot of things. And I was kind like, of I can't believe people horrified. talk about this stuff. Yeah, for a while I was like, what? You, you shouldn't say that. People will judge you. And then I'm like, you know what? If I was going to see a coach, I would want to know that they understood bad days and good days yeah. and days where you just want to cry and days where you feel like a machine. Like, And you you can study so much. Like, I can study the art of asking a good question. I can study how to crunch numbers and come up with some macros for people. I can study, like what is the appropriate load versus capacity in terms of like fitness for somebody. Right, right. But there's, there's the objective things you can... Then there's that point where it's like the human touch. Like, can I relate to you? Can you relate to me on a personal level? And I now realize that like that lady who first helped me in Rhode Island, she sat there and was not at all ashamed of crying herself. Yeah. Not at all. And at no point was I like, well, shit. I didn't Why come here for that. Crying? What? Harden up, bitch. <laughs> I was actually like, oh, wow. You're, this is what it, being a real human looks like. So I still feel like I'm pretty early on in my journey of sharing stuff. And there's many, many details that I could, could still share. And, but I am prepared to share and like, I'm not going to be the person that just rams it down your throat every time. Hey, yeah. sit down and listen to my story about how ugly shit got at one point. But <laughs> I do feel like there is some like oversharing that happens, especially with, with social media being so accessible to people. Like they're, you know, people who just constant sharing without a purpose. I think that, 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 yeah, like I, that I, there, but that's absolutely the perfect way to put it. Like anything that I share about my experiences, I want to make sure it does have a purpose. Yeah. And like, I feel like the purpose now is not just that people, and I, I will, will turn the tables at some point and I'll interview Rachel. <laughs> it's not just so that people get to understand who we are a little bit more because then it makes it more interesting when you hear us just chat away about stuff, but that. Hopefully, if somebody is listening or knows of somebody who has listened, who heard about a little snippet of our story in the first episode, can like realize that 
hey, we are here, we have experiences, we're willing to share. It's a, like a resource and it's an opportunity to like, to learn that it's okay to say this stuff. Yeah. And to like use it to help other people go, you know what, there is light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. So if you find yourself in your own personal version of the, the whiskey on the floor in a dusty house full of cats with a two bottles of pain pills, <laughs> that you realize that that is not a good way to go. That the process of getting from that point to happy place is not going to be fun. Yeah. It's going to hurt. But there is life the other side of that. Yeah. If you just have to work with it. And that's also where I learned that actually having someone in your corner, having a coach is huge yeah and having had the privilege of being a coach and helps few people through like some serious times of self-doubt and just feeling lost or just hating on themselves being able to draw on different like nodes of coaching so not just like oh i know how to crunch macros but actually hey i know how to ask you the right questions yeah to like guide you in the right way that is like so fulfilling to me that it's kind of like I can use something bad in my life and come full circle and have it as something that can be like a tool that I can use to help other people yeah and I love that too I mean just the fact that like coaching is is always evolving and so multi-layered right like Mm -hmm. you have clients and you are their coach but then as a coach you need coaches Right. And so and and I, I just love the coaching model because it is it's different than mentorship. It's different than having a supervisor. You know, there's and and it really is something that, you know, it's so important to normalize, like you said, talking about things, being vulnerable in situations like this. And I yeah, this this conversation has made me like miss my therapist. Like I love that I have a nutrition <laughs> coach right now, but like, man, I miss my therapist. Um, yeah. So <laughs> I know. And I like right now, like I just the other day I was thinking about it, like I don't have a coach right now, but I want one. Yeah. It's like you feel so, like oh, it's time to have a coach. If you're listening and you're a coach. Right? <laughs> just don't call yourself a therapist. That's yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, I wa- I wanna well we'll 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 transmit transition back to some fun stuff because I I, I I feel like yeah, there was so much there that we're going to revisit, I think, in sure. other conversations, because I think this is, yeah, this is great to kind of see how much personal, you know, personal things in your life play into what you do as a professional now in the coaching world and in, in your goals and stuff. And I also love that we kind of went through all of this um, without really, you know, other than the nose thing, dwelling on uh, dwelling on like body issues, right? Like all of your goals were about what you want to do, who you want to be rather than what you look like. I just want to point that out since our you know overarching theme of like body image and things like that but um all right so one more fun question and Mm -hmm. then I've got a little ending segment okay Um, so this is just I mean this is a classic it's a classic if you were stranded on a desert island oh gosh (laughs) food and water are taken care of like your basic needs are taken care of what three things would you take with you Things? Does that include people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Three entities, stuff, people, thing. Yeah. Oh gosh. <laughs> okay, just to make, I'm not gonna take any people. Okay, because otherwise okay. I feel like true. All right, that yeah, gets yeah, you're right. That could get that awkward. Get awkward. So I'm All not right. gonna take any people. <laughs> I'm gonna take um, 
Dory Doodle. Okay, goes. I was going to say, I was like, Dory doesn't count as a person, though, you realize, right? I'm going to take All Dory right. Doodle. Dory Doodle goes, yeah. Um, but in this scenario, she's not allergic to anything and is not going to try cool. to die. On Good this. point. Basic needs are taken care of for her as well, meaning nothing she's allergic to will be I'm going to take uh, a notebook and pen. Can I have that together? Can that be sure. one thing? Sure, okay. I'm not a genie in a bottle. You can negotiate with me on this. <laughs> and I'm going to take a case of Pinot. <laughs> Oh my God. Okay. Well, I, and that's true. I didn't specify maybe with food and water taken care of, maybe Pinot should have been included as oh. an endless supply of Pinot because that'd be horrible when you get down to that last bottle. Oh, okay. Let's say I have that. I'm going to take my stand up paddle board. All right. I can see that. Okay. You Dory Doodle. Although technically I could build a raft, but you know, I like it. All right. That sums it up. Okay, so now this ending session, this is like rapid fire, all right? So okay. uh, I, I stole this from my cousin Trina, who has a wonderful um, Instagram live show. That, well, it's actually not just on Instagram anymore, called Tria Talks that she mm -hmm. does. Um, and she often ends her, her segments with folks uh, with this or that. Okay. So a little, little this or that, all right? Okay. No, no explanations needed, just this or that, unless the explanation feels like we need to say it. So... Uh, beach or mountains? What time of year? <laughs> of course. <laughs> she can't do rapid fire. There's a follow-up. Okay. I'm gonna... uh, your choice, I okay. guess. Okay. I'm going to say mountains because it's winter right now. <laughs> All right. Mountains. All right. Uh, you come back in a former, uh, next life as an elite CrossFitter who can do everything or as a spoiled and much-loved doodle. Spoiled and much loved doodle. <laughs> All right. Uh, books or magazines? Magazines. Spa day or extravagant five-course meal? Spa day. Spa day. All right. Wonder Woman or Captain Marvel? Wonder Woman. Plane or train? Plane. <laughs> Sauna or hot tub? Hot tub. I don't sweat. Saunas are yeah, really difficult for me. A sauna might be dangerous for you. Good point. Uh, live music or live sports? Oh, music. <laughs> Sorry, that was a funny one. I don't even know why I asked you about whether or not you like live sports. Um, okay. Hugs or kisses? Hugs. Are you a hunter or a gatherer? Hunter. Cake or pie? Hi. Coffee or tea? Coffee. <laughs> You're a bad Brit. That's why I don't You're live in England anymore. <laughs> All right. Give someone a gift or receive someone a gift from someone? I mean, I love getting gifts, but I pref like giving them has the edge. So giving. All right. Uh, a classic British question. Jason Statham or Idris Elba? Idris Elba. <laughs> yes. All right. And finally, a shutout. Or a comeback? Comeback. <laughs> I like it. All right. That wraps this or that. Um, there were lots of questions in my scribbly handwriting that we didn't get to, but I have no doubt this stuff is going to come up again in future episodes. This has been really fun. Yeah. And, and also, like, if anybody uh, wants to, has any, like, follow-up questions or yeah. anything has come up in any of these episodes that you would love us to 
dive more deeply into, then send us a DM and we will certainly get on it. Yep. And if I left out questions, you know, definitely let us know. Thank you for listening.